podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Ajit. Today, we have a special guest from the Twitterverse, who's rather well-known in the circles that we ourselves are, let's say, present. Welcome to the podcast, Abhishek. And uh, of course, you are well-known by El Chopernos on Twitter, right? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ajit. Uh, very nice being here. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Ah, no worries, you know, having a chat about so much cricket going on. So, first of all, I think uh, before we get into the games that are going on and some reviews, right? So, uh, have you played cricket yourself at any level and what has been your experience doing that? Yeah, I mean, growing up in India, it's it's uh, very hard to stay away from cricket. And I think I was uh, uh, brought up into cricket uh, in some way, because both my parents were uh, big fans of the game. Uh, my mother uh, tells me that uh, Kapil Dev was her absolute favourite and one of my first memories in my uh, in the first home that I remember living in is a poster of Kapil Dev on the, on the back of the uh, you know, uh, the door of one of the rooms. And so, I guess it started back then. My first memories of Watching cricket are probably in the 1992 World Cup. Uh, not that I understood it a lot back then, but I mean, since then, uh, I've been watching the game. I've been playing it myself uh, in school, etc. It's obviously a little more unorganized in small town India where I come from. Uh, but I think the most organized level of cricket that I've come, uh, I've played in, is uh, for my engineering college. Um, I was an opening batsman and uh, a wicketkeeper and sometimes I used to roll my arm over for a leg break or two. So, uh, I had a great deal of fun doing it, uh, got injured, uh, got absolutely battered by pace bowlers uh, and uh, hit a few shots too. So, yeah, I mean, looking back on it gives me a great deal of pleasure and satisfaction. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, I'm a kindred spirit. I blow, I bowl legs, leg breaks as well when I'm on the cricketing field. I would like to, and I bat in the middle order. But nice to hear. And yeah, nice. go on. I, I broke a finger last season, so that can happen, right? So part and parcel yeah, yeah. of our game is the injuries that we sometimes take. But all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to hear. You have played some cricket, and you know it. It always changes your perspective. The moment you've actually gone out there and played some leather ball cricket, you know, yes. you know what the game Absolutely. is all about and why it is yeah. so well respected. Anyway, um, plenty of cricket to get through, so I think we should get cracking. So, first of all, are you following the India women's uh, test against England that's currently underway? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've been looking forward to it uh, since the time it was announced. And uh, to be very honest, uh, it's it's not something that I've followed right from the beginning. Uh, in terms of uh, the journey that India women's cricket has taken, but uh, of late I've been trying to follow it. If if not watch it all the time, but at least follow it on Trick Info and other places and on Twitter, uh, following those specific people who follow the game so that I get to know regular updates, etc. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just been uh, a wonderful day and a half or almost two days of cricket now. And uh, whatever be the result, it's it's a wonderful experience to see that happening in front of your eyes. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I understand that, uh, you know, this is a special, special game always when women's tests are held and it's always a very nice thing for us fans to follow. Well, if you are an Indian Test match fan or Indian women's Test match fan, you might not really enjoy it, unfortunately, because, uh, well, uh, in the last half an hour or so, Indian uh, batsmen have slipped a little, bats, batters have slipped a little because, well, first of all, England made a very competitive 396 for nine, right? So that was thanks to a wonderful uh, contribution from the last two pairs of batsmen. batsmen. So in this case, um, look, England had a solid start yesterday. So the Indian women, the spinners made a really good comeback. So from three for two thirty-six, it could have been, you know, a, a very dangerous or a large total. But um, the spinners made a comeback, and they took uh, six wickets by end of day's close first day. But uh, you know, uh, Heather Knight, the captain, was really unlucky to miss out on a hundred. She made ninety-five solid scores from the top four, right? So, and then Sophia Dunkley remained not out overnight. But then she started stitching together some good partnerships, first with Elvis, then Catherine Brunt. But then what happened is Sophie Eccleston and Anya Shropsol, very experienced cricketers, but they then put on more than 130 runs for the last two uh, partnerships that went through. And from 270 for six to 70 for seven, England went to 396 for nine, where they were comfortable to declare. And look, 400 if you make batting first, that's a decent, decent score, right? Uh, in India's uh, spin analysis, um, Sneha Rana has taken a 4 for and Deepti Sharma took three, while uh, timeless Julan Goswami took one, and Puja Vastrakar took one as well. So, what do you think? I mean, now, uh, before we go any further, unfortunately, I told you the Indian bad batters have let slip a little because from 167 for no loss, they have slipped to 183 for five. That means Smriti Mandana is, yep, Smriti Mandana is 78 out. Shafali Verma missed out on a well deserved 100 on debut, 96. Uh, but then Poonam Raut was the number three and took up some time, but she's dismissed for two. Shikha Pandey was, a, I think, a night watchman, a sort of promoted a bit earlier than needed, but she was out for a duck. The most crucial wicket, Mithali Raj, out for two. So it's Harman Preet and Deepthi at the crease now, and they're just going to probably see the day out, right? But it is something unexpected. So I would say by the end of second day's play, England have a strong hand now. What do you think? How do you think that the rest of the test will pan out? I mean, when when uh, we started this podcast, I was I was watching the game and uh, uh, this one uh, Shafali had lost her wicket. I wasn't you know honestly too bothered about ninety six hundred etc. It's uh, never been a major concern for me. And I when I came to start the podcast, uh, this one had uh, Mandana had just come back from her break and. The thought that was lingering in my mind is that such breaks, you know, can often be a little uh, uh, terrible for your concentration. Uh, 
and your focus and she was in a very good space before she took that break uh unfortunately mm-hmm. that she lost her wicket and the others uh, have you know sort of followed her uh back into the hut very very soon so yeah i mean it's it's definitely england in the driver's seat now and uh, uh i don't really know how we are going to come back from this i, I was reading uh, this comment from adam collins on twitter where he was saying that you know just to set up the game a little bit india must probably declare right now and then you know england should uh, probably make a few more runs and give india a chaseable total just to set up the game and see if a result can be achieved i think uh, uh, that comments utility is no longer there now because mm-hmm. uh, the indian women have conspired to give a result to this test let's just see how it pans out i mean it's it's not great news at all right now and uh, yeah definitely expected better from them mm-hmm. but you know i, I as i was saying on twitter the other day uh, it's just the fact that uh, you know test match temperament or long format temperament is is a thing in its own uh, you get better at it by doing it regularly uh, not sure how many chances indian women really get and uh, the fielding effort for all all of yesterday and a little bit of today would have not helped in terms of fitness uh yeah and also the fact that you know the lower order partnerships always uh, take out a lot from you not just physically but also mentally so yeah i, I guess those are factors that are playing out right now and uh, it's it's not great news at all well look uh islanders batting against indian attacks in tests this is a sort of a deja vu isn't it and uh, of course i think each team has to overcome this uh, for themselves it's not like uh, um, you know even every new generation of the team has to again overcome it for itself because uh, trying to wrap it up before you really get into some trouble that's not always so easily done i guess and therefore uh, you know okay uh, it's it's still you know they're not out of it yet they have suddenly let's say lost more wickets than they would have liked no doubt but uh, i'm going to say i'm going to still back the indian women's team to make a real match out of it if they can get to within 75 80 of england score that means they have to cross yeah. 300 of course if they do that they give themselves a chance then you know if they are out just after lunch or something tomorrow then england has about two two and a half sessions if they want to try and put something together maybe declare um, with 80 85 overs left because you, you know they play 100 overs each day so yes yeah. give themselves a real shot 80 lasting 80 overs even in the last day would not be easy and we know we've seen yeah, this absolutely. absolutely and this is a used pitch let's not forget it that it, this is a used pitch right yeah i mean they've already uh, played a 40 over match on this one earlier and uh, whatever i've seen of the english bowling by uh, shifali and uh, mandana were able to get india off to a great start i do think that uh, the english bowlers never really lost their line and length Uh, I mean, Kate Cross or Shabsol or uh, Eccleston, all of them were, you know, uh, at it all the time. And so, uh, the pressure is only going to be on India if they are, you know, uh, given a chase in the in the last innings of the test. So, it's not going to be easy at all. But yeah, I mean, all we can do right now and all we must do right now is just back them to the hilt and see what they come up with and. uh hopefully they'll get better for the experience 
you are absolutely right i think the discipline that's been shown by the english bowlers are really the difference that we see between the two teams right i think the indian bowlers they had a up and down uh, set of uh, sessions in the at least yesterday mid session and uh, the third session but it, this really stands out even though they were being punished for majority of the partnership the opening partnership from the indian batters it was almost at four and over as well so it was not uh, you know compiled slowly but really the the discipline that has been displayed by the england bowlers are really you know it, it's quite something we can see that and of course look they have they have also some spinners that can get into the game you have uh, sophia yeah. tolston right because if india are to bat fourth it's not going to be easy because uh, even nat siver and yeah. get cross so it it look they they are looking like they can get something here so it's the spinners yeah. who have actually taken most of the wickets heather knight came in and she herself has taken two wickets right so it's going to be interesting if you know india indian women can make a good match out of it as you say it's not about the result but having started so well you would be a little disappointed if they were to not be able to at least yeah, manage a draw from this yeah absolutely absolutely and i, I mean uh, i'm a little wary of uh, you know uh, voicing very strong opinions on on women's cricket because of the fact that you know uh, the dynamics of the game are very different and i have not watched a lot of it to be very uh, uh, sure about my opinions but i really think the the some of the decisions with respect to bowling changes and with respect to field placings uh, last evening and today left a lot to be desired uh, because i mean just basic mm. common sense tells you that when you have someone on the mat you know you 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 try and throttle them even further and i don't know why we uh, were uh, still giving easy singles to dunkley and uh, uh, and and all the other batsmen who uh, batswoman who came after her uh, because i think we really had a good chance to you know get cracking especially with the two spinners bowling so well in tandem not giving any easy runs so if you could have really cut down on the singles uh, and you know just not let them get off the hook it would have probably made a difference but i guess uh, you know when when you are in that sort of a situation you only have one test to play you uh, you know you don't really have a lot of uh, uh, things going for you in terms of scheduling etc not losing becomes uh, the primary objective and when that happens perhaps you you know sort of tend to stand back a little bit and the other team come uh, can come and take the advantage for that so i think i think that probably played on on the minds of the indian team and mithali uh, specifically but at least to uh, a layman observer the field placings and the bowling changes left a little bit to be desired that's one of the things that's a that's a crucible that's a cauldron you have to really undergo to actually mature and come out on the other side so it's 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 a very unforgiving environment and maybe you know under pressure the indian skipper may have made a few mistakes well she's very very experienced no doubt but it it could have happened to the best of us maybe maybe the inputs that she was also receiving from the coaching staff who usually pass on some messages to the people standing on the boundary and so on maybe maybe not not uh, enough good uh, inputs came through we don't know but yes it's possible and you are absolutely right when you say they took the foot off the throat at that point in time they should have gone for the kill but all right as you said this is a learning uh, learning curve and we know they are going to grow strong because of this experience no doubt right yes all right uh, now going further let's look at the two test matches that finished 
in the last week or so and they were both a little one sided so i think we can first start off with the england new zealand test well yeah. uh, in spite of six changes new zealand comfortably beat england what are your thoughts on this no i, I mean it's uh, wonderful absolutely wonderful to see england uh, you know getting beaten at home first of all because we couldn't do that when we went there last time uh, it's also amazing to see new zealand doing well because uh, uh, you know they they are a team that you can get behind uh, whatever be the whatever be the state of the cricket world uh, so it was very good to see them do well uh, with with the changes that they brought in uh, for them to be able to beat england at home was was something really good to see uh, and i think uh, the the other important thing was uh, you know someone like ajaz patel putting in a good show uh, Uh, the new batsman will young putting in a good show uh, so i mean it's it's very uh, nice and it boards very well for a country uh, when their newcomers are able to come up on the big stage and you know make you feel that they belong here that happened with conway in the previous test obviously conway's uh, you know uh, background is one full of rich experience etc but uh, i mean it it, it it's very good signs for a cricket nation if if your uh, debutants and your newcomers are able to do that well uh and england i think had you know very few answers to the awesomeness of the of the new zealand bowling attack and their batting uh i don't really think wagner and jamison are still at you know full throttle and with that if they could really take out uh, england so comfortably uh it's 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 amazing and it's it's not a good sign for us as indian fans because new zealand has really had a good test series there and great preparation for the upcoming uh, world championship final but yeah i mean it's it's just amazing how new zealand has uh, managed to turn it around so well uh, for themselves and as i said england getting beaten at home is always a personal pleasure for me right i sense a bit of shadow friday but uh, you know what i i can't begrudge you that the way some touring <laughs> teams performed in england but uh, you know coming to this series of course it's all about the youngsters from new zealand uh, and uh, conway previous test and also this test he showed he really belongs at the top level but will young who's not been getting many opportunities he also took let's say the opportunity with both his hands but same for matt henry right probably he wouldn't yeah, have started yeah, this yeah. game if not for Uh, New Zealand management deciding to rest, um, you know, Kyle Jamieson going into the World yeah. uh, Test Championship final. But he again, he he was the man of the match there, and uh, he really outperformed the rest of the bowling. I think yeah. Ben Bolt also warmed up beautifully. So they got the balance yeah. right when they listed uh, when they rested uh, Saudi. Uh, Williamson yeah. unfortunately had to be rested. Same for Watling. But then yeah. look, the the people who are sort of replacing the. Uh, others who sat out showed their it's it's the caliber it's like almost like the indian team that what have what did, uh, happened to indian team in australia but i would say that was even more of a decimation but still this this was very very nice to see and everybody contributed tom blunder looked really accomplished behind the stumps i mean in in yeah. comparison to james bracy he was he was miles apart right and yeah, then absolutely. you were right neil wagner was also warming up nicely you saw neil wagner at times bowling foolish length i mean it's yeah, not completely exactly. surprising but he did yeah. 
and uh, also daryl mitchell got to go because i think they were resting yeah. colin de grand home but uh, you know yeah. we'll we'll put we'll put a pin in the rest of the discussion because we're going to get there and in terms of really uh, batting first england got to 303 thanks to 81 from dan lawrence right yeah. um then olipop again a bunch of breezy you know teens and tween sort of knock not really good jorut failing for once in this test uh, the tail always wagged they did a bit for england so from 303 and then getting the opposition all out for 388 i think they did well considering that the yeah. opposition again were more like 3 for 292 or something with ross taylor sort of comfortably playing and blundell also sort of looking comfortable but then you know uh, english bowling came back with stuart broad taking a 44 and then wood and stone really starting that you know the tremors the trigger triggering the wickets but then uh, they really let them sit down they they didn't look to be in the contest in the second innings the way england batted rory burns or dom simply one of these two usually goes on in a crucial third innings but none of them could and then between crawley root and ollie pope it it looked it looked a bit uh, disappointing because ollie pope again better than arna ball 23 when the team is under pressure you will want to probably buckle down a bit but then you don't want to go to the other end of the spectrum where joe root who is usually a very free flowing batsman got stuck one one and a half hours i remember it was quite painful we are listening to gorilla cricket and 11 of 61 but more like 100 minutes of play that's not at all him right maybe the, and then again tailender sort of trying to do something to save the blushes but 122 all they did was they avoided innings defeat i would say i mean nothing more grandiose than that and uh, of course the result was never in doubt thanks to you know very consummate performance the bowlers equally sharing all the wickets look i would think in the second innings ijaz patel got himself a couple of uh, you know uh, easy wickets at least jorut he worked out but the other one was sort of an easy wicket i thought but he's been impressive indeed uh, compared to yeah. how the left arm spinners have been in india and uh, this thing he's really been very um, very very impressive but i don't think this this guy will be some somebody that will really worry the indian batsman again i'll i'll come to it come the next part of our discussion but <laughs> in this game it was a very one sided one and yeah you're right deserved victory for new zealand and it's a second time that they are winning in the last 20 25 years when previously 1999 yeah. they had one under stephen fleming now they are winning this is a golden golden era for new zealand cricket as far as their history is concerned i would say and it really remains to be seen if you know uh, they can crown it all they were really unlucky to miss on the world cup uh, final uh, with the winners medal there but maybe this is the chance for them to make a comeback right yeah so i i just wanted to mention a couple of uh, points about this game in particular i think Uh, England really missed a trick by not getting a spinner in. I mean, you can you can uh, discuss all day long about who is better out of Leach and Dumbess, etc. I mean, I I don't think I know enough about uh, know enough numbers for those two to be able to make a decision. But I'm just saying that the whole idea of not playing a spinner at all is just I I mean I don't get it. Whatever be the conditions, whatever be the pitch. unless it's like some mad pitch in south africa or something or uh, an absolute green top in england i don't really get the idea of not playing a spinner at all so i think england definitely missed a trick there i think as far as the england batting is concerned uh, nasser hussain came out with a real major rant about it uh, on on sky uh, to be very honest i think uh, england is is being a little too harsh on themselves there uh, 
I mean, these same guys, I mean, Sibley and Burns and Crawley and Lawrence, all of these guys have, you know, done well in test cricket very, very recently. There will always be situations when, you know, teams collapse. We, we saw that with India in, in 36 all out, etc. We've seen that with teams day in and day out in test cricket. It's not something that has happened for the first time and collapses will happen. Teams will, you know, just... Uh, lose it completely in one go all at the same time etc i think we are being a little too harsh on them they've they've done really well in the recent past a lot of them are new to test cricket uh, while you know they, they must be having a lot of county experience so i don't think england should uh, you know chop and change too much not that they have too many options the india series is coming up soon and then they have you know the only thing that they seem to care about uh, the ashes but uh, I think there's enough in this batting lineup to you know continue to have some faith and and uh, see what you know they come up with. It's it's going to be throwing in the towel a little too quickly if uh, you know they go for mass chop and change. And I mean that has never worked for uh, for England in the past either. Mm-hmm. But if they decide to do that and that ends up uh, you know favoring us, I, I'm not going to complain one bit. Yeah. No, you're right. In this case, I think, look, the bowlers were also outpulled by their New Zealand counterparts, right? Let's not forget that. Yeah, Definitely exactly. the batsmen were outplayed, yeah. but the bowlers were also outpulled. And this has this this attack has probably the best two bowlers uh, ever, almost. Fast bowlers, right? Yeah. So that that's something they need to also look at. But okay, everybody has an off day, a couple of off days. It's, it's, it's all right. And when it comes to the batting, I think it's just that they're hurting because it's led to a defeat. So you have newcomers sort of adjusting first two to three seasons are tough. And Zach Crawley looked good last season. Dan Lawrence has looked good even in this, you know, in this series. So especially Pope worries me a bit. But uh, we'll have to see how it goes. But I don't expect any mass chop and change as you would have seen in an England team in the 90s or 80s anymore. It will be a more gradual thing and people will be given enough tests, 10, 12 tests to prove themselves. So it will come good, I think, when it comes to their structure for the long run. I think Joe Root has to still again discover that joy of playing cricket. You really see him when he's comfortable and looking to score nicely. That attacking style of play he has. I think maybe he's a bit bogged down with a bit of all the things going around. I mean, look, Ollie Robinson's thing also didn't help. I think all this, um, for a lack of a better word, the wokish nature of our sudden social uh, awareness that's going on. And uh, maybe he's also asked to do a few things off, off the field. Maybe it's taking some of his time away and Maybe some some of his downtime away, you know. We don't know all this, so we'll have to see how they really come back. But indeed, it's a real, real uh, blow for them. First series loss at home since 2014. Always a proud record to lose such a record, right? Always a proud record. And they would be very disappointed to lose it. But anyway, uh, that's one thing. But speaking of Robinson, he's been taken out of the limelight. He's been given some, you know, leave to sort of hide away, heal a little bit, you know, like his wounds, so to say. And he'll be back in a week or two. But uh, do you think that was the right move by ECB to uh, give him a break so that he goes away from all this lot of chatter and sort of composes himself and thinks about his future? Yeah, I mean, this Ollie Robinson issue is is, is definitely something that uh, you know, isn't isn't easy to simplify at all. I mean, uh, there are there are a lot of viewpoints coming in, and there is some merit in all of them. I do think that what the ECB has done is technically suspension pending inquiry which is the best thing that they could have done um, i mean the only thing that they would want to see is 
you know, uh, is Ollie Robinson a changed man since he made those tweets eight, nine, ten years ago? So I don't think there's anything wrong there on the face of it. But as soon as you scratch the surface, you see very clearly with England that you know they are perhaps trying to make a, make a victim out of Ollie Robinson a little bit because. Uh, you know they've not done a great deal about uh, the allegations against Yorkshire. They've not done anything uh, about what Michael Carberry has said or about what John Holder has said, and all of these things belong in that area of racism. And the irony of all of it was, you know, on, on the uh, first day of the first test, uh, while the England footballers were, you know, uh, very clear about taking a knee. The England uh, men's team, you know, wore those shirts and took a pledge against, you know, all all those negative things, racism and this and that. And so I think Ali invariably ended up spoiling their party a little bit, and the ECB might make an example out of him, as they as they like to call it. But the only thing is, uh, I think ECB has swept a lot of things under the carpet for very long, and. Uh, I hope it doesn't be become the case that uh, by punishing Oli uh, more than is required, uh, you know they try to get on the high horse of uh, woke scene, etc., while really not doing any justice to the cause of uh, cricket or you know the the particular race that is under question or the particular religion that is under question uh, in this case. Mm-hmm. Look, it's indeed a very nuanced topic. I agree with you that uh, there is some institutional racism, probably that in most in most cultures it's probably there, and you can't have a reckoning in one day, right? Yeah. And the system has to change itself. It's a, it's usually a reflection of the society itself, and it might not simply go away right away. But okay, uh, I do see they're at least pulling him out of the firing line. But when it comes to challenging a county like Yorkshire, it's like challenging the Mumbai. uh team you know the mumbai yeah. setup in india it's never that easy it's the most successful county and the most prestigious county there is so but yes they are probably also looking to address this long term rather than take any knee jerk reactions or show any knee jerk reactions and take any sudden decisions that's the way i i see the setup of england cricket totally being more strategic rather than you know tactical in this case all right i think we should take a quick look at the south africa versus west indies tests well it was it was a throwback on all the old school style of cricket right where it was it was some other team doing it to west indies but it was all this could have been a west indian uh, attack from the 70s through the 90s do you think uh, abhishek like they blew the west indian team completely out of the water yeah and i mean we i was expecting uh, great things from the west indies team after their recent successes uh, you would expect that uh, a team comes back home uh from success away and uh, you know grows in confidence and you know they they're bigger and taller and stronger and everything but uh, i mean I, i'm i'm a big fan uh, and becoming a bigger fan of this uh, uh fast bowler called nokia and uh, uh, the south africans were not having a good time at cricket themselves so yeah i mean it's it's great that you know away wins are probably uh, at least becoming a little more frequent we'll have to go and uh, go back and check numbers but there's just this whole flavor of away wins coming a lot more these days uh, which is uh, which is really good to see in this case also and uh, uh, our man qdk got 100 the uh, 
this guy NGD got a fiver. So all of these things were really, really good to see. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I just thought that uh, West Indies not doing well uh, at home was a little unfortunate. But then, I mean, uh, you can't really begrudge South Africa any success right now, given that they're going through a very tumultuous time themselves and with all the stuff that's happening in the administration, etc. So yeah, I mean, all in all, a good result for the health of the game, I would say. Absolutely. Look, the way Quinton de Kock played shows that weight is off his shoulders and he's able yeah. to then sort of indulge in this. He has this joie de vivre. You can see the way he plays cricket, like what I told about Jorut. He has this free-flowing way of playing and it's much like Rishabh Pant, if not, you know, a bit more nuanced. Rishabh Pant is stronger and a bit more uh, village blacksmith at time. But this time, this guy, Quinton de Kock, he's much more experienced and that's all it is, nothing more. And you can see he showed that the you know, the weight is off and immediately scored a hundred, a big hundred, right? And probably the difference between the two teams. But I would have said South Africa were way too strong. The way Norkia in the first morning, I was able to keep track of the game. And it, it was it was a brutal, brutal, let's say, spell before and after lunch where, you know, West Indies are unable to buy a run. It, they don't know where the runs are coming from. In the first, let's say, 30 hours of the game, they looked completely out of water. They were five down already. It was almost no doubt the way this test would go. And uh, they only were able to make 97, no major score except 20 from Holder in the first innings. And then, as you say, Engedi took a 5-4, Norke 4-4. And when it came their turn to bat, uh, captain for the first time uh, after a long, long, let's say, time of waiting, Dean Elgar, unfortunately, started off with a duck. But Aiden Makram and uh, Rasi van der Dusen set up the platform. And then, of course, Quentin de Kock and Vian Mulder, they sort of took it to the next level and uh, Quentin de Kock ca capitalized completely. West Indians didn't bowl particularly badly. I mean, 322 on this pitch is sort of par, I would say. Yeah. But their batsmen, yeah. they were completely outmatched, right? Because the new guy, Jaden uh, Seals, he, he, he looks good. He, he seems to be one of those, again, from that uh, long assembly line of fast bowling. He seems really good and looks like he seems to have a bright future. But it, it was no way going to hide what happened because you were more than 225 runs behind. And even though Rostin Chase showed some skill and made 62, again, they were blown out of water this time. Rabada taking a 5-4 in the second innings. Norkia again a 3-4. And Keshav Maharaj chipping in with two wickets, right? So, all in all, they would be very, very happy seeing what actually went through. And uh, maybe in the second test of the series, they wouldn't probably get another uh, such a fast bouncy pitch because... Well, uh, West Indies lost Shannon Gabriel to injury on the eve of the test. Probably, they were probably looking to bank on this fast-paced wicket with their bowling and they got sold out to the opposition, which was not probably what they were expecting. But, you know, yeah. these things come and go. It's been it's happened enough times. Remember that uh, terrible pitch in Nagpur where uh, I think Swan and Man uh, Paneser bowled <laughs> India, <laughs> India and then got England to a victory, a serious victory. It can sometimes go against you, right? I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, since I didn't get to catch a lot of the game, how were the two South African debutants? I mean, did you, did you manage to catch them live and what is your first impression of those two? So, uh, uh, frankly, I saw a bit of uh, Keegan Peterson bat. He looked comfortable in the little bit of time he spent. Kyle Varen I didn't catch. So, these were the two debutants, both sort of middle-order, top-middle-order batsmen. Um, I think Kyle Varen has played some cricket already. And Keegan Peterson is the real newbie in the setup, right? So in this case, at least I would like to think they're sort of 
laying the platform for a longer nicer you know the big big people have left recently you know yeah, uh, abd villiers is always in and around but he's gone path has left absolutely so and they tried a few people tenus to brown they tried and of course um, the other guy who would normally be here is out injured right they their limited overs captain temba boma is out injured otherwise you would probably see him take one of these uh, you know places in the middle order probably kyle verrain wouldn't play or kane peterson wouldn't play if he was fit he's injured so he he's not playing here so it's it's a very very interesting uh, side they have brought and i think there is a difference in approach as well the, with the way dean elgar captains the team and he's probably given his fast bowlers a sort of carte blanche that you know uh, back in the day probably hansi krone used to give or even kepler wessels you know when they had this battery south of fast africans have, south africans yeah. have never really had any option other than to do that because the spinners coming out there uh, haven't ever been the, the greatest so Uh, they've always sort of played a holding role in that sense uh, keshav is probably much more skillful than the rest of them uh, who have come before him in the spinner uh, variety for uh, south africa but other than that i mean it's always been guys like stain or markel or uh, donald or pollock or uh, all the others that have come before them so it's always been a pace heavy attack and i guess given that pace is really the strength of uh, both the teams uh, you're right in saying that you know uh, shannon gabriel's presence would have uh, probably made a little bit more of a difference uh, but yeah i think i think the blame lies on the door of the west indian batsmen much more than anything else and uh, it's been a fall back to earth for for those guys a little bit yeah absolutely they'll they'll build up on this <laughs> we'll probably see a different side stepping out when they take on uh, south africa in the second test and let's see how that uh, pans out now let's get to the let's say the meat of the matter here a preview of the world test championship final starting tomorrow yeah i think uh, it's it's time for all of us to get our proverbial raincoats and umbrellas out uh, i was just seeing on twitter that it's raining heavily at the rose bowl so uh, mm-hmm. the next day i think they're going to have to keep a few more because the way it was raining at least today it doesn't seem very likely that you know things are going to get a lot better they're probably going to remain better so let's just see how how you know, what role the rain ends up uh, rain ends up playing in, in the entire test right so when we look at the squads so first let's take a look at the india squad so india have chosen five fast bowlers which is sort of a bit of a surprise in that 15 that they named for the test so you have they they come out with the 11 no they have also announced the 11 i have not yet seen this wow okay yeah i, I, yeah, I thought yeah, they yeah. just announced they, the 15 no no so the 11 is basically shami bumrah ishant jadeja ah, ashwin pan no no surprise and then yeah five. so no surprise 5 plus 5 plus 1 vihari misses out siraj misses out all right yeah this is sort of expected then and saha of course so in this case look uh, there are no surprises i was going to ask yeah. you more about whether they would consider one spinner and four fast bowlers or i think it would be a mistake and as it turns out that's the right call you should have jadeja yeah. and ashwin together right? i was actually doing uh, uh, a podcast on this weekend uh, uh, with uh, with a dear friend uh, from pakistan harshim and uh, mm-hmm. and i had very strongly opined that both spinners should play and i mean i i would uh, sort of claim to have kohli's ear 
but that's not the case he's just made the right choice and he has taken the wings uh, wind out of uh, you know all those people who were probably ready with their swords to uh, debate selection matters i think this is the best side that they could have chosen i mean shami raj was probably uh, a little bit of a situation but i think they've gone with experience and while shami didn't uh, have a lot of wickets to show from the last england tour uh i think he did bowl decently well and uh, i think he deserves a go ahead of siraj the only thing i'm worried about uh, shami is uh, whether you know his fitness will be peak after such a long break without any match practice but let's hope he he does uh, he does put in the required number of overs and gets lots of wickets for yeah i think he would have and so he's he's known as second inning shami for a reason right it would be yeah. it would be not a good idea to leave somebody like him out and look yeah. when you add jadeja and ashwin together they are special but even by themselves individually with any other bowling yeah. bowling on the other side they are they are very very special and there was this thought where some people were saying could you leave ishant out for maybe a siraj yeah. faster and can swing the ball better i wonder if that would have crossed kohli's mind i don't think so because you you don't you don't drop somebody with 100 tests even for somebody as exciting as siraj don't you think yeah no i mean siraj is going to get his chances siraj is a long way ahead of him there are many more tests to play for us in england itself and uh, i think i think ishant definitely deserves a go ishant has uh, put in great performances for us in england itself over the years whether it be uh, whether it be white ball cricket or red ball cricket and so i mean uh the kind of control that he provides right when when the opposition is uh, you know 250 for 2 uh and uh, nothing is working the guy you throw the ball to is ishant he'll come and bowl his heart out for you in the channel on the right length so i mean you just don't leave out ishant he he is uh, he's someone who you have in your bunker by your side for sure yeah absolutely and uh, well in terms of what could india do or what should india be doing when they start off it normally it's a win the toss bat first sort of a pitch is what we hear right because it takes a bit of pace in the first couple of days then if there is not a lot of rain it might start taking turn from day 3 day 4 onwards which is normal a normal test match behavior pitch behavior but in this case considering that there is some rain today maybe the pitch is firmer than usual would you think the indian captain may choose to bowl if he wins the toss uh so honestly i mean i i don't really think uh, uh, it's it's that bigger deal uh, probably helps because it's you know a final and uh, 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 everything that is associated with a game like that so it would probably help if we are able to get a chance to bat first but uh, i think the indian bowling is good enough to you know win it for us from from uh, any position so uh, while batting first would be preferred i think it's going to be absolutely fine either way the only thing that i'm sort of concerned about is uh, how do our spinners get the most purchase and if that's going to happen by uh, you know us us batting uh, first then you know that's that's how you would want it to be the other important thing is also the fact that you know uh, i think last time mohin ali took some uh, took a lot of wickets uh, against us when we played at southampton uh, obviously the time of the year was a little different uh, not as rainy as it is right now 
but um, again i think that will play on kohli's mind a little bit that spinners to uh, stand a good chance to do well in the fourth innings i mean why would else would you pick two spinners and so he might uh, decide to bat first and you know get get uh, get the chance of fourth wicket uh, fourth innings wicket for ashwin and jadeja right that's about india well i mean as you say probably they would they wouldn't mind batting or bowling first they have a equally good squad but i mean given how traditionally you would like to uh, start a test match of you would want to win the toss and bat no doubt even if it's yeah. you know zipping around a little bit you have south and bolt who are a very very daunting opposition it must be said with the new ball yeah but what about new zealand i don't see the squad yet at least not on uh, sunday night Mm-hmm. No, they haven't announced the squad yet. Uh, I think they did announce the 15, and again, there are no surprises there. Very uh, standard set of players. Again, I mean, their their bowling is absolutely top notch. Uh, we were mentioning when we were discussing India versus New Zealand that uh, Wagner, while he, I don't think he's he's, you know, in the absolute beast mode that we know him uh, mm-hmm. for right now. Uh, but he has discovered a very happy knack of picking up wickets with slightly fuller lengths. Uh, so you know you have uh, two guys in Bolt and Wagner who have the left armer angle to use all day long, and you have two guys in Jameson and Wagner who can really pepper you with very very different kinds of uh, short pitch bowling. So. and saudi is almost always there the evergreen guy for uh, for new zealand uh, so i think it's 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 a wonderful bowling attack ajaz might get a look in he's done uh, decently well um, i mean you were mentioning earlier that you know he's not going to bother the indian batsmen uh, a great deal but we also have a knack of uh, you know losing it against uh, against any any decent so you know you right. we been for surprise there uh i don't know if kane is going to be fit or not i hope he's fit it could be a terrible thing to miss out on in not such a big stage uh but uh, yeah i mean mouth watering contest uh and uh, it's just going to be amazing it's a little bit of an injustice to the format something a format that is known for you know well drawn out series with lots of narrative and stories and uh ebbs and flows and crescent troughs to sort of go through uh or get decided just by one test so that's a little bit of a buskin but i mean it's a start it's a start and hopefully the format is going to improve the coming editions right when i look at the potential 11 that new zealand would take tomorrow So there is a high likelihood they may actually play without a spinner. So I mean, look, you wouldn't want to go into a test match like this without Saudi, Bolt, and I would say Kyle Jamieson ahead of Neil Wagner simply because of uh, you know hit the deck, can bat a lot sort of thing. And of course, your Neil Wagner is your pit bull. You don't want to leave him out. That means you have four fast bowlers picked out, right? That means you yeah. have a longish tail. How do you yeah. how do you then how do you balance it out? Do you take a Colin Grandom who can bat along with Kyle Jamieson? pretty much like the two spinners in indian side maybe these two you know medium pacers who can bat or would you take an ajas patel as the variety because simply because of what you mentioned right would you choose him so that uh, this this keeps this um, uh, this bone of uh, you know contention or let's say this uh, suspense for the indian team in any case they are 
susceptible and we know you are susceptible to good spin on a day right i would i would definitely have those four pacers i'm not going to leave out any of them the good thing is uh, i mean except bolt who's probably the weakest link there with the bat uh, saudi we know can hit hit uh, sixes he uh, has hit a lot of them in test cricket uh, so he sees not a complete dummy with the bat jameson and wagner i mean wagner has uh, done well with the bat in the past jameson is obviously you know uh, a legitimate all rounder so i think they don't really have to worry about the tail being shortened because of it ajaz of course i mean not great guns with the bat but that's okay i mean having two people who can't bat in an 11 is is absolutely fine uh, so once that is sorted out with five pacers you have uh, conway and latham to start off things uh, you have uh, williamson after that of course and you have uh, uh, nichols who, who is sure to get a look in uh, and uh, who else am i forgetting so uh, that uh, this who else am i forgetting watling bj watling aayega watling yeah yeah of course watling the the best wicketkeeper batsman that they have come up with so i guess they're pretty sorted out that way so I don't really see a lot of selection heading for them. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I was very excited about Daryl Mitchell. Uh, I continue to be excited about CTG. I hope he is able to get that fifth spot. Uh, but they don't really need that much bowling, to be honest. If they are going to go for four plus one uh, in the pace plus spin combination, so yeah, five five batters would be would be the way they will go to. I don't think CTG will get anything. With the hair that he has, it will be a shame. Uh, but I guess that's how they will decide to go. Uh, if hair were to be selection, you would uh, find some people in the Indian team not being able to make it. But we'll park that on the side, right? Yeah. All right. But all in all, you are absolutely right. When we look at the history, uh, New Zealand have never played a test in Southampton, so they are coming from a sort of a clean slate perspective. India have had two bad experiences, 2014 and 18, right? I would say they'll go with five fast bowlers. Or four fast bowlers and Colin De Grant home, but you feel probably Ajaz may make it ahead of them. I think that's going to be the case. Fair. Time for uh, time for an honest opinion. Who do you think will win the World Test Championship starting tomorrow, or do you think it might be a draw? That's still a legitimate option, right? I think I think rain is going to be the winner. Uh, the rain gods are going to get uh, their name on the miss, uh, but. Uh, if it were to be a timeless test with rain, you know, taken out uh, as a factor, I definitely think uh, that England, uh, sorry, New Zealand has has a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, but I would also like to qualify that opinion with uh, an opinion about myself that I am a certified uh, pessimist. So, I mean, any format of cricket, any anything at all, I don't really think that India is going to pull it off. So. uh i do think that new zealand has uh, a little bit of an edge when it compares to batting in those conditions because of the simple reason that you know they've they've uh, experienced similar conditions back home a little more than we have and i think the fact that they've had two test matches proper test matches under their belt to get used to the conditions is going to play a major role i do know india have also played those uh, intra squad matches etc but i mean 
from whatever I understand and know, you can't match best match intensity. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's New Zealand for me, but nothing will make me happier than New Zealand. Right. I mean, for me, I will start by giving India six and New Zealand four when it goes to chances out of ten. Right. But that's simply because of the quality that is on offer, no doubt. And uh, but also about the resilience that we've seen with the Indian test team recently, what happened in Australia and also after they came back home to lose the first test and then bounce back, make sure they're winning, uh, they win all three. So I, I would just say they are more resilient. And of course, they are not the team that's currently, you know, having played two tests, sort of entrenched in England. They are the newbies and they've played some, you know, intra-squad squad matches, but it's, it's not the same as competing against another squad out there, right? Yeah, yeah. The way I would look at it is this, whichever team retains its discipline at in the tougher periods, right? It's, it's a cliche to say it, but especially against this New Zealand team or against this Indian team, they have match winners who can really hurt you even if you lose that uh, discipline over while you're batting or while you're bowling. You'll want to be on the top of your game right through. So I would say that's a really good really good thing that we can see whichever team hangs on to its discipline better will probably take the cup i have a feeling we'll get a result in spite of some rain we are going to see some rain but not a lot and because of one extra day a potential 90 hours that can be made up is a very let's say attempting thing for me to say no no they'll probably end up having a result and i'm going to back india to take the trophy for the first time and it, you know, the cricket fan in me cringes when I say it, unfortunately, because I love the New Zealand cricket team and what it stands for. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it's it's tough to see past uh, this Indian team because because of all the reasons I spoke about earlier. So that's my prediction. The only, only problem I have with that is uh, India has recently acquired this uh, habit of... Uh, Losing the first one and then coming back to win the series. Since it's only one test, I, I don't know what will happen there. I think they made sure they played an intra-squad match, which the uh, majority of the people who are going to play lost it. <laughs> you know, there was this KL Rahul versus Kohli 11. I think they made sure KL yeah, Kohli 7 yeah. lost it. Back at home, there are these uh, superstitions. So they say, when they look at horoscope of certain person and they say, you know, this person's first spouse is going to die early. Yeah, yeah. They actually get that person married to a banana tree and they cut it off later. And that's out of the way. Something like that. You know? We both come from similar part of the world and therefore I can give you this example. They also do it with goats. So whatever takes your fancy, right? So they get it married and they cut it and eat it that night and it's over. Then your bad luck is gone. So I think that's what the Indian cricket team also did with the intra-squad matches, right? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's that's a good way to ward off. Any bad luck that can come. I mean, having said all this, I wish both teams all the best and may the best team win. They are both here based on merit, and any team losing is going to hurt me a little. True that. That's absolutely. All right. Now let's take a look at some of the other news from around the cricketing world. So, in one of our previous episodes, we had covered the ongoing dispute between the Sri Lankan players and its board. They were not willing to sign a touring contract, and we are highlighting it. And now at least the the board and the players have come to a agreement that sri lanka will actually tour with a 24 strong squad really and uh, they are going to tour england and maybe they are going to let their performances speak for themselves before signing any contracts i think there are some new names for example you know praveen jayavikrama who who sort of you know come through in the test scene took a lot of wickets he's been selected 
and then you have uh, Dhananjaya Lakshan, new uh, all-rounder, and Charita Salanka and Ishan Jairatna. These are all new entrants. They are almost new to the squad. And you have some old guys coming back. You have Avishka Fernando, who sort of was left out because of lack of fitness. He's been brought back. No Angelo Matthews, no one Pradeep is in, right? So it looks good. Looks like a well-balanced, strong squad. They're playing three T20Is and three ODIs. It might seem a bit of a bloated squad, but we know with COVID and all of these things currently going on, I think this is a decent squad to choose. Um, any thoughts on this, Abhishek? I mean, I am not really uh, uh, clued in on the new guys that they have, uh, but I do know that Sri Lanka cricket is going through a rebuilding phase, and it has been going through that phase for quite some time. Uh, you know, after the big hole that was left by uh, a few of their experienced players, uh, calling it a day. Uh, the only thing is, you know, uh, when it comes to the pay dispute, I, uh, from whatever I've read and uh, heard, I do understand that the board hasn't really been fair to the players. And that's been the case for a long time in Sri Lankan cricket, you know, that uh, people have not really given the players uh, their due and uh, the politics that has happened and the power games that have happened have really taken the sheen away from the players' performance. So it's not a good sign at all. Uh, you know, uh, I, I would hate to see if something like that were to happen to the Sri Lankans because uh, you know, that's a team I've uh, learned to really love as, as a young kid. But a lot of the stuff that happened with Australia, which culminated in Sandpaper Gate, uh, a lot of it had the pressures and you know the tribulations and the trials associated with the pay dispute that uh, those guys had with their board and they had it for a very protracted period of time. So this is never good for the morale of the players and uh, uh, I think uh, it's, it's good that they're touring uh, and they, they are having a good mix of uh, youth and experience and all of that. But I do think that the Sri Lankan cricket board uh, needs to set its house in order. Easier said than done. It's always a chicken and egg situation. Unless you win, the money is not going to be there. And unless the money is not going to be there, you will not be able to win, etc. But uh, I just think a little less politics uh, and the involvement of a little uh, of politicians reduced to some extent is, is going to do them a great deal of uh, good. If not that, at least less harm than right now. So let's hope for the best for uh, Indeed. Going forward, I think uh, common sense is eventually going to prevail and some more merit-based decisions will be allowed to be you know, accommodated into the system. Well, on the other hand, the Indian squad that's uh, been selected to tour Sri Lanka, uh, the, at the same time, there's another squad touring England has been announced. So not a lot of surprises. Shikhar Dhawan is announced as the captain. Bhuneshwar Kumar is, will be his deputy. And it looks like, uh, you know, Shreyas Iyer has not recovered enough to make the squad. Right? But then there are some very exciting names here. Some of those uh, really good performers throughout uh, the IPL couple of seasons, I think, have been rewarded. You see Devdat Padikal, you see Prithvi Shaw back in, you see Ruturaj Gaikwad, right? Some well-known names, Suri Kumar Yadav, Manish Pandey, Hardik Pandya, Nitish Rana has been given a chance. Both Sanju Samson and Ishan Kishan have been chosen. And when it comes to spin, I think Yashvendra Chahal, Kuldeep Yadav, Varun Chakravarti, 
very strong string uh, spin contingent along with K Gautam and of course Rahul Chahar, who's now the let's say the holding uh, bowler in the shorter uh, shorter formats for India. And then of course you have a very strong fast bowling lineup. You have Deepak Chahar, you have um, Navdeep Saini, Chetan Sakarya has been given a go, right? And of course you'll have Bhuvi. So what do you think of this squad? Very balanced or some surprises for you? I think the only one uh, that I'm, I'm a little uh, uh, concerned about is Nitish Rana. Uh, I don't think he's done enough to uh, get a go. Uh, I think a few of the folks that have done, who have done really well in first class cricket or in district cricket for quite some time should have probably uh, gotten their opportunity now that uh, the, the main side is sort of playing in in, uh, in England. Uh, but other than those few grouses, uh, I think it's it's great that so many new guys are going to get a chance to really put up their hand and you know, show what they're made of. Uh, and it augurs quite well for the Indian team that they're able to, uh, you know, put out to uh, good squads out on the park, uh, you know, at the same time. So, yeah, speaks a lot about the depth and strength of Indian cricket right now. I'm sure Dhawan and Dravid are going to have a really tough time in deciding the eleven because there are so many, so many good players who deserve a look in. And there will be some debuts also, I'm sure. So yeah, I mean it's it's great, it's uh, wonderful to see, and uh, I just hope that Samson gets a go again. Uh, and I'm mentioning him specifically because. I really thought that the chances he got in the shorter format with the white ball, uh, he, he never you know, did very, very badly. And whatever he did was with the kind of intent that you require in uh, in that format. It's just that it didn't come off. Uh, and I've also, you know, we've also seen comments about his uh, first class uh, average and you know, all of those things. But I really think that he has the kind of mindset that we need to revolutionize our white ball cricket, uh, especially our T20 format. So I hope he gets a proper go there. Uh, he's had a great equation with Dravid over the years. So I hope uh, he does well and he comes out of this into the full strength side also when we play the next T20 series. Indeed. Uh, him, him and probably Kuldeep Yadav getting another chance to put his hand up, right? Newbies like Gautam probably trying to make a space for himself. In the shorter format, I think there's quite a lot of room there. And other people like Ruturaj Gaikwad, Devdutt Padikal, new, new, new people, you know, and somebody like Prithvi Shaw trying to redeem himself. There's plenty to look forward to in the squad, right? So I'd be also probably trying to keep an eye on that uh, that uh, game or those set of games while, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of ideal if they have day games, right? If you're a cricket fan living in this time zone, in European time zone, you have the best of both the worlds because early in the morning, you have a limited hours game starting in Sri Lanka. Then in by in around lunch, you have uh, the test match starting in England. So you're taken care of most of the day, right? So, well, you have to find then some probably excuses to <laughs> not be well or something so that you can follow it all. But um, yeah, you know, this is, this is still a very exciting squad. You're absolutely right. And we wish both the squads, the one in England as well as the one, of course, going to Sri Lanka, all the best and a good, you know, a good outing for Shikandavan and Bhuvaneshwar Kumar as the leadership group as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
uh, the last time uh, that we went to England, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure if Bhuvi was there or not. There. I think he was there for uh, at least a few games and I was really hoping that he gets fit in time for the England, uh, for the World Test Championship final and the England series. But uh, obviously, I mean, Siraj has leapfrogged him into the squad uh, with what he did in Australia. So, I mean, with credit to Siraj, you would also want to see Bhuvi uh, back in the rec reckoning for the main squad and, I mean, uh, giving him that extra responsibility of guiding the uh, pace bowling group is only going to, you know, probably add to his experience and hopefully make him do better things, great things on the field. So, yeah, let's, let's hope that is the case. Indeed. People like Sakaria who probably... You know, he said it in an interview later. He wasn't even looking to be picked as a net bowler, but he's really happy. So, some some growth opportunities there, no doubt. Now, uh, when it comes to well, some tantrums and some you know bad blood on the field. I don't know if you caught this video of, of uh, the Dhaka Premier Division uh, League where uh, Shakib Alasan. It was it was I must say a bit unbecoming of somebody who's played so many international games, Abhishek. Yeah, no, I was reading this piece by uh, Mohammed Isam. I've, I've uh, really learned, uh, I've really come to you know, appreciate his, his writing on Bangladesh cricket and not just the cricket, but also things around cricket. He has a great perspective on things uh, in that country. Uh, and I mean, he wrote a very balanced piece in which he mentioned that this is definitely not the first time that uh, Shakib has done this. And he has gotten away repeatedly, and that has probably emboldened him to you know, do it once more. Uh, this particular match, or I mean, the the, Bangla, the Bangladesh uh, league in itself, is in muddy waters because of uh, you know so many allegations of match fixing involving the empires themselves, and you know uh, all of it boiling down to the clubs and the power games that are played between among those clubs and how voting rights are, etc. So, I mean, it, the rot goes right up to the top when it comes to, you know, the corruption that is there in this league. Uh, and you can very well say that, you know, all of that, uh, you know, put aside, Shakib was really uh, misbehaving with the umpires in whatever visuals we saw. Uh, the context does bring a little bit of uh, you know, perspective to the entire scene for me. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that uh, shouldn't have lost his school like that. and uh, Doesn't need to you know, do all of this. He's a very decorated player in his own right across the world. Uh, and just felt completely off. But Bangladesh would obviously do well to get the corruption removed from the scene. Uh, it's not going to happen in a hurry, but for the sake of Bangladesh cricket, one hopes that that's the case. Absolutely. Look, from what I hear, I, it doesn't it doesn't sound very positive at all because there's another player, Sabir Rahman, another, let's say, known bad boy. And uh, now there is some alleged racial abuse and stone throwing from him towards one of the other players, Elias Sunny, who at some point in time, I think, played for Bangladesh. So. Yeah. This doesn't really look good in for this uh, Dhaka Premier League. And also, you know, it looks like Shakib had gotten into an argument with Khaled Mashud, former captain and currently the, one of the directors of BCB. I think the rest of the world will now be watching on how BCB deals with these matters because I think they have to send out a strong message. Look, I can understand we all have frustrations from everyday life. Sometimes 
uh, you know things from outside of uh, cricketing field that can boil over into some bad behavior but so th- those videos that were doing rounds i i i in initially couldn't even believe that um, you know shakib I, i could really couldn't believe my eyes that he would act like that but then there you go because i also hold him in a lot of respect i have a lot of respect for him as a you know very reputed and a very accomplished uh, cricketer and that's that's unfortunate to see because these videos making rounds might set the wrong sort of precedent for the youngsters who might be watching the game as well so i think all eyes on bcb to see how they're going to deal with it now in a batch of uh, good news there are 10 names that have been put forward to to be inducted into the icc hall of fame right so you have aubrey faulkner and monty noble from uh, pre first world war then you have uh, between the two wars you have larry constantine and stan mckeep and then post war you have uh, ted dexter vinu mankad and then uh, odia era you have desmond haynes bob willis and then of course modern era you have andy flar and kumar sangakkara all extremely extremely well deserved entrance into the icc hall of fame abhishek yeah i mean uh, it's it's uh, definitely something to look forward to when uh, you see some great teams making that entry uh, for a long time uh, one of the things that really made me not hold this whole exercise in a great uh, in great regard is the fact that you know, they seem to be completely cut off from the history of the game uh after you know just doing the induction for the popular league so uh this batch probably gives a little bit more of uh, uh you know understanding to anyone who learns cricket right now about the history of the game because these are names that you know really stand out uh, for anyone who's interested in in what happened in the past and how did we reach here uh as we stand um, as fans of the game in this day and age uh, the other important thing is uh, i'm i'm very glad to see andy flar being represented there uh not just because of the fact that you know he was a fantastic batsman and uh, also was very good uh barring a few episodes as as a coach of the team today it's also uh, good to see that someone who Uh, chose to raise his voice against what he saw as uh, systemic corruption and debasement of his uh, of his country uh, he didn't have to you know completely lose it in terms of his career and in terms of his uh, life because of that protest he's been inducted into the hall of fame now and that perhaps sets a good example for cricketers who want to have a voice so Yeah, I mean, uh, decent batch. Uh, I I do think there are a lot many names from previous eras that are missing and should probably get a look in uh, before some of the others. But I think uh, doesn't really make sense to be too picky and choosy about these things. Ultimately, it's just another honor for people who really already earned respect for what they've done on the cricket field. And so, as long as you know they are. putting in more people one by one it's uh, something that we can look forward to every time indeed well uh, congratulations to all the players or their families and well deserved as far as uh, us cricket fans are concerned that they should be inducted into the uh, the hall of fame i see hall of fame now uh, in another interesting news six australian cricketers all sort of you would expect them to make the squad you have warner cummins maxwell right steven smith 
and then of course you have jay richardson ken richardson and marcus stoinis so six plus one seven people actually have actually made themselves unavailable for the australian upcoming tours which are limited over stores of west indies and bangladesh so these are um long distance tours it must be said right so and from the looks of it it's purely due to the current covid crisis that we see in different parts of the world uh, but how do you see this affecting uh, the australian t20 preparations for the upcoming world cup see to be honest i i don't really see this uh, to be you know something to break our heads about i do know that there is a lot of talk among uh, the australian cricket fans that you know this is being done keeping in mind that the ipl is probably going to come up soon and the remaining matches are going to uh, get played out in the uae or something and these guys are sort of preserving themselves for the ipl and, uh i mean i would be the last person to begrudge uh, the ipl money that these guys get uh, and uh, some of these tours to australia bangladesh etc while you know they are important for the white ball preparation uh, i think uh, england has probably taken the best approach in terms of using the ipl as an opportunity to, to develop their own white ball game and their own t20 game so uh yeah of course i mean the fatigue that people experience in these bio bubbles we can only uh you know speculate about it having not experienced it ourselves but yeah I mean, that obviously doesn't help uh, especially you know the fact that the australian guys had an extended uh, period of quarantine even after landing in australia before they were able to really meet their family members uh so i mean the only thing that we can do as cricket fans right now is just give them the space to you know decide what tours they want to play and what tours they want to sort of uh, not play uh so yeah i mean i don't i don't have any issues against it against the decision that they made that on well look if it was it was purely based on the covid grounds i would actually understand that right but then i think as you say if there are other considerations like saving themselves for an ipl because ipl is not going to be held anywhere close to australia either you have to travel away you're going to either india or going to uae and uh, same for the world cup of course but look it's a, it's it's a more nuanced matter i don't want to go too deep into it but all right the cricket fan in me sort of feels a little uh, let down if they are really saving themselves for ipl while they could actually represent their country and sort of you know get ready for a world cup coming up but it's as you say as absolutely understandable so let's see how uh, you know how these things pan out now moving ahead the women's t20 from um, commonwealth games that is supposed to happen in uh, 2022 is scheduled to happen between july 29th and august 7th so uh, it's a welcome uh, no uh, addition of cricket to commonwealth games and something that all cricket fans would be glad that the majority sports setup or the main sports setup is also taking cricket into consideration these days so it would be very useful and uh, let's see if you know how it goes so we have india australia new zealand pakistan south africa and england and um one nation from caribbean will come so it they must be seen how it goes so uh, it's going to be very interesting and uh, as i said always a good news going forward um covid seems to have again sort of luck it's uh, ugly head because the ongoing zimbabwe south africa a four day match was suspended because zimbabwean government decided 
uh, the the covid cases were again rapidly rising in zimbabwe so they had to let it go and that's what happened so you know this is probably going to be with us for the upcoming 12 to 15 month period and uh, whatever cricket that happens has to make sure that you know uh, this this is always taken into consideration so once we see two big tournaments like psl and ipl cancelled you know or at least stopped temporarily you know how important this is all right now going to the trivia section so abhishek i'll ask you the trivia question from the previous episode i would like to know if you can take a guess at the answer so the trivia question from the sure. previous episode what is common to every cricketer who has ever made a 100 on test debut in england but since 2000 so in this millennium so you basically mean guys like devon conway etc absolutely and that that's what sparked the question yes and this is both players from england and players outside england right well picked yes that's that's a clue we had given out it's not necessary that they have always represented england so have all of them uh, converted their debut 100 to a double 100 no i'll tell you the four names let's see if i then you can probably try and guess it so the four names are straws prior trot and conway Who's the third one again? Straws, Pryor, uh, Conway, and Jonathan Trot. Oh, Jonathan Trot. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, then it has to be South African origin, I guess. Absolutely. So that was the answer. Well done. Once you realize who those are, you immediately realize they were all people who were born in South Africa, but they were different teams. But they made their debut hundred in England since two thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. The trivia, the trivia question from this episode. What was England's ranking after their loss to New Zealand in the series in 1999? So famously, a side led by Stephen Fleming with a bunch of you know good cricketers, but a couple of outstanding ones like Chris Kane, who finished as the man of the series, beat England 2-1 in England. This was the last win New Zealand had in a Test series in England, and that meant England had a very weird ranking or very unexpected ranking. That's the clue I would give. So you can probably give us the answer of our uh, Abhishek. Sure, I will give it a shot. Yeah. All right. So I would like to say thanks a lot uh, for your participation once more, and it's been an absolute pleasure, right? So as always, we went on a bit longer than I would have liked. I would really love to host you again as a guest on our podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Ajit. It was uh, it was a pleasure for me to be here and to discuss so many things about. Uh, Uh, ongoing uh, events in cricket thank you so much would you also maybe give out some ways in which you know listeners to this podcast can know more about you maybe your twitter handle but also some podcast you said you did over the weekend maybe uh yeah so there's this guy called hashim uh, who's uh, who's a, a major pakistani cricket fan and his cricket fandom uh, you know very similar to mine spans across uh Many decades. So uh, he and uh, I got together along with Annie from Gorilla Cricket. You must be knowing Annie. Uh, mm-hmm. so three of us did a little bit of a preview of the uh, World Test Championship final. So yeah, that's that's something that you can probably listen to on his uh, handle. I've also tweeted it out. It's uh, his handle is H A C H E D. I don't really know how he pronounces it. I have never really bothered to find it out, but his name is Hashim, and so that is something you can check out. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was great to be there on that podcast as well. Perfect. 
and on twitter you are l choppernos yes i am very much yes and i think you are very well known on the let's say the twitter verse that has uh, some guerillas in it yeah 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 I've, i've been listening to them for uh, quite some time now and uh, i mean you you know it having listened to them for a long period of time the kind of uh, commentary that they do is really special to really unique and uh, you really feel a part of uh, you know a big group of uh, cricket fans around the world so yeah it's it's a, it's a very special bunch of people who run the show and uh, for fans of the show so yeah very glad to be uh, a part of the guerrilla cricket family indeed it's it's i'm also one of the things i'm looking forward to is the guerrilla cricket commentary for the world test championship final and uh, you know the india story of england let's yes. see all right thanks a lot and uh, see you around sometime soon thank you thank you ajit thank you bye 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 This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Sit back and enjoy.